Welcome to Tiny Expedition Season 4, Episode 5. It's the penultimate episode for this season. Sarah, we've got to make this a good one. So what are we going to talk about today? Today we're joined by two amazing guests who are going to discuss precision healthcare with us. Precision healthcare. So I'm going to need you to define that. But before we do that, let's tell the folks who we are. My name is Chris. I'll be your narrative guide for today. And I'm Dr. Sarah Sharman, here to help you understand the science. So Dr. Sharman, what are we talking about with precision care? If you've listened to Tiny Expeditions before, you know that our genes play a role in health and disease. Scientists and physicians can take that unique genetic information along with environmental and lifestyle factors and create a personalized care plan should you become sick or find out you have a disease like cancer. This means everything from specific medications to lifestyle changes that are unique to your situation. So let's imagine for a moment that you just received the news that no one ever wants to hear. You're in the doctor's office and you hear the C word. It is cancer. And then everything stops. In that moment, your head is spinning, you're stunned, you just kind of black out. The doctor is talking to you, but you don't hear another word that he or she says to you. So you go home and you let it sink in a little bit more, and you inevitably ask the question, well, what's next? And it's at this point that we realize everyone's experience is going to be different, right? Our bodies are going to process this differently, and how far away from medical care is going to affect our treatment, our education level, our resources, the insurance plan that we have, it's all going to affect how we move forward. And the reality is these are only the beginning of the differences, Each cancer is also biologically different. Even if two women have breast cancer, those two breast cancers are gonna look exponentially different. Within each individual tumor, there are dozens of cell types that influence how cancer grows and spreads. Then genetically, tumors are all very different. But luckily, science has progressed to the point where we're learning more and more about the hundreds and thousands of mutations that enable cancer to occur. And this knowledge forms the basis of precision care. So let's talk with an expert cancer researcher to learn how the science behind all of this works. So my name is Sarah Cooper. I'm one of the faculty members here at Hudson Alpha. My lab is interested in using genetics and genomics to better understand individual risk for cancer as well as how we treat cancer. We know that uh, depending on the type of cancer, about anywhere between 5 and 10 percent of cancer can be explained by genetic changes that we inherit from our parents. So um, there's a variety of um, great technologies out there that we can use to measure DNA changes in individuals that will tell us about their cancer risk. Dr. Cooper's lab focuses a lot of their efforts on studying genetic risk, which is another major variable in people's cancer journey. Certain gene changes can increase your risk for cancer. Knowledge of these risk factors can greatly change your medical plan by prompting you to increase screenings or taking other preventative measures. Yeah, so when we are looking at a family that has a strong family history of cancer, you know, this is something that is sort of intuitive. If you are a breast cancer patient and your mom and your grandmother and your aunt have all had cancer, you might think, oh, there's probably something in my genes that are increasing my risk. And um, going back into the 80s and early 90s, you know, that was a concept that 
of course, the idea had been around for a long time, but the technology got to a point where we could actually do what we call genetic mapping. Um, so at the time, that was pre-whole genome sequencing, um, but we were able to essentially take families that had a lot of cases of cancer and use tools that would allow us to narrow down to a particular region of the genome that we could attribute to that increased cancer risk. Um, so depending on the DNA change we're talking about, some of them have a very big impact on your risk for getting cancer. So one example of that is the BRCA1 gene. Certain DNA changes in that gene can increase a woman's or man's risk for breast cancer. Um, for women, it's from one in eight, which is the population risk, all the way up to a lifetime risk of somewhere around 70%. So it's a huge increase in risk. So the changes in our DNA help tell of risk for certain diseases like cancer. One of the challenges scientists have in identifying these changes, they're not just seeing that the changes are there, but figuring out, is this a meaningful change that can then be used for actionable results? There's probably hundreds of genes at this point that have been implicated as potentially relevant for genetic risk for all the different cancers that we know about. Um, we kind of categorize those changes into what we call actionable and non-actionable. So actionable means a DNA change that we can change a recommendation about how you would take care of yourself or get screening based on that change. So we just talked a little bit about some genes have a big effect on your risk, some genes have a very small effect on your risk. So there's probably a lot of genes that have a very small effect on your inherited risk. For those, we wouldn't necessarily say, oh, you should get a mammogram earlier or you should get a colonoscopy when you're 30 because of that tiny increase of, in risk. But we, for the big changes, we would. And so the number of genes that we know about that are scientifically interesting is very large, but the number of genes that we know about that can um, impact how you get clinical care is probably in the, depends on who you ask, but in the anywhere from like 30 to 100. Dr. Cooper is responsible for a Hudson Alpha program called Information is Power. If you want to know more about this program, go back to the last season. We did an entire special episode on the program. But the program is important because it's designed to make genetic testing accessible to more people through free and reduced cost testing. It's a great program, and it's all based on this same science. Dr. Cooper said there's hundreds of possible changes in your DNA that could be actionable, and information's power can do as much as it does just by looking at 32 of those. Although Dr. Cooper's lab wasn't directly involved in discovering the genes included in the information is power test, they do have many other brilliant scientists to thank for the research, including Dr. Mary Claire King, who sparked the flame that became information is power. Um, some of that early work in breast cancer was done by Mary Claire King, and I think in 1995 she published a, uh, the first uh, paper describing BRCA1 as a gene that's important for breast cancer risk. Um, she has been a big part of our Information is Power program when she's the one that sort of made the suggestion slash challenge slash request that we um, uh, think about how we could use that kind of information to help people um, learn about their own risk. Um, and of course, now the tools for identifying DNA changes are much more widely available and um, much more affordable. Um, so that's why programs like Information is Power and other um, technologies and companies um, offer the opportunity for people to learn about their risk using genetic uh, 
either DNA sequencing or sometimes genotyping. Um, and so those technologies really build on decades of discovery using technologies like Mary Claire's and others that developed over the years that allow us to really just identify where in the genome uh, are there DNA changes that are important for our risk. So we've established that your genetic information can help inform your risk of getting cancer, but that's not the end of what you can learn from your genome. Let's go back to our original scenario. You've just found out you have cancer and you're wondering what's next. You'll probably get some sort of treatment, right? It turns out genetic information from within your tumor can help direct your treatment plan. As you sort of alluded to, the genetics that we inherit from our parents are an important part of understanding our risk, but some of those same DNA changes as well as other DNA changes that happen during the development of tumors um, can be important for identifying the treatments that would work best for an individual. So um, this is something that's sort of been ongoing, the idea of precision oncology, precision medicine for really decades at this point. I think some of the initial work that was done in breast cancer was actually looking not at DNA changes, but at protein changes that occur um, that can be measured on the surface of, of breast cancer cells. And those uh, were what have sort of defined the different subtypes of breast cancer, so triple negative or ER positive, for example, um, that are important to directing care. And similarly, DNA changes and genetic changes um, can be used sort of, it's good to think of it a little bit like a molecular fingerprint. Different people have different tumors, different people have different fingerprints. Um, but there are common factors that we can identify in the tumors that can help direct treatment. There was anecdotal evidence and, and small studies that suggested that that would be beneficial, but now there's lots of evidence that having genetic information can help identify patients that can respond or would respond to a certain type of treatment. So I think some of the more recent results that I've seen that are up to 30% of patients can receive genetic information from those tests that would help um, either direct them to or away from a particular treatment. It's fascinating to hear the science behind all of this, but how does the science get applied to our everyday lives in practice? Well, Sarah, we've talked about this before, but let's also bring in Jordan. Jordan Phillips is with us. She's been working this summer and she's on the podcast now. So Jordan, you are a college student. I'm sure insurance and health care and all of this is probably something that's not necessarily on your radar, but have you thought about this stuff before? I really hadn't thought about it until hearing everything that Dr. Cooper had to say, but now I'm pretty interested. Sarah, you've told us in the past that you have had genetic testing and you're, you're a fan of this. So I chose to have genetic testing because I have a family history of cancer, um, but I actually tried having it done about six years ago, and I just ran into a lot of roadblocks with my insurance. So when I got to Hudson Alpha, I ended up doing information as power last year, and it was a much easier experience. Jordan, if you were to seek this out, like, would you know where to start? Um, before hearing about this, I really didn't even know that it was a thing, so I probably wouldn't know where to look. And that's fascinating because you're saying you wouldn't know where to look, and Sarah, you're saying that you had to seek out a specialized program, which I guess would lead us to the idea that if this were an integrated whole as part of, like, say, your life insurance, maybe it might be a little more accessible and easier for people to get to. Yeah, I think that's right. I know, you know, not only accessibility, but sometimes cost and 
just knowledge of something existing, those are all blocks that I think are keeping people from benefiting from this wonderful thing, which is genetic testing. So moving forward, if this is something that I'm interested in, what would I do or where would I go? It's a great question, Jordan. And just so happens we have another guest that can help us out with that. So this is Darren Rowe, the CEO of Health Home. My name is Darren Rowe. I'm the CEO of Health Home. Health Home is a little over two years old now. We describe ourselves as a precision health management company or a precision disease management company. We were established to essentially close the gap in the time that it takes for some of these very promising and somewhat you know, established precision medicine technologies and techniques to get into the hands of people that really need them. Our vision essentially is to create an environment where every individual's health experiences are informed and and improved or elevated by their unique biological data sets. And, you know, that's that's something that I think ultimately is the focus of precision medicine. If you were to try on your own to seek out programs and apply the science behind precision care to your own situation, it's going to get very complicated very quickly. Well, that's where companies like Health Home come in to try to take the science and offer it to us commercially. The, the current product we have is focused on cancer. We call it Cancer Ohm. And essentially, it has three sort of key components resources and genetic testing and so on that's available from day one so sort of before cancer uh, uh, a whole bunch of resources for people that have been diagnosed with cancer so during cancer and then some resources uh once you get into the sort of recovery phase of of that cancer journey so before during and after is the way we kind of think about it um and then within that we have things like heritable cancer screening pgx testing you know counseling action planning things like that um if somebody is diagnosed with cancer uh, we deploy a, a a virtual cancer navigator to help that individual um, understand the decisions they're making. Maybe help them understand some of the terminology. You know, demystify their their their, their um, diagnosis. Help them prepare for consults. Um, just organize their their sort of cancer journey, which you know sounds trivial, but if every if you know, if anybody's listening that has been through it, it's, it can become a full-time and very overwhelming job pretty quickly. While I've thankfully not had my own cancer journey, I was a support person for my mom as she was going through a cancer diagnosis a few years ago. While she had an amazing medical team, she still had a lot of questions. A product like Health Home would have helped ease her mind in the weeks after her diagnosis, giving her easy access to learning tools. And because a cancer journey doesn't end with a diagnosis, Health Them also offers many amazing services for post-diagnosis that can really be a game changer for cancer patients like my mom. Um, on top of that, they're also going to organize a, patho- a pathology review, a medical review. Um, we're going to organize you know, very comprehensive genetic testing, sequencing of the tumor. Um, and then we can also use that information to look for relevant clinical trials. There's a there's a real opportunity in the clinical trial world. You you probably know this. Um, when I when I look at the 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 number of cancer patients in the U.S. that successfully enroll in a clinical trial for cancer, it's very low. It's around four to eight percent. But when I look at the number of trials that are available, 
you know, there's a there's a big opportunity there. It should be 40, 50%. Now, of course, not everybody wants to get into a clinical trial. There's the sort of logistics of that as well. But it certainly should be higher than four to 8%. A lot of that is predicated on the fact that clinical trials are, uh, are very difficult to understand. There's a kind of perverse incentive for some hospitals not to introduce it to trials outside of their own establishments. Um, and then one of the biggest reasons we find is that people just don't have the molecular diagnostic information the biomarker information that they you know for many of these new trials is the is the um sort of the entry point the, the, you know that that's part of the eligibility criteria so we're able to to dramatically improve the likelihood that somebody can find a clinical trial and enroll in it and then we take all of that information and we provide a report that goes back to their local oncologist as well because we want to make sure that this information is used to you know essentially change the treatment plans potentially and then when we get into the recovery piece um, we're talking about you know uh, recurrence monitoring, liquid biopsy, and so on, and again continued navigation. So that that's essentially what the product looks like from the insurance perspective. You know the the proposition is that they have a differentiated product, the potential to um, extend life, uh, the extend the, the potential to have a much better level of engagement, and that generally maps back to improved persistency, so people don't lapse their policies as much and. And if a life insurance company can extend life, even by a few months, um, you know, if you're dealing with a half a million dollar uh, cash payment, you know, deferring that payment from a life insurance company can be worth a lot of money over time. So that's the proposition from the life insurance perspective. And obviously from a patient, I've now got a product that I can actually use. It has real value. And, you know, it, it, it's aligned with most policyholders' desire to to avoid or manage cancer um, and, and, and be prepared should they be diagnosed with it. So it's it, 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 there is really good alignment across you know, all, the, all the different groups. As Darren continued to tell us about the product from Health Home, we were curious who the target market is that they were trying to reach. If we think about you know, the, the, the sort of the perfect avatar for Health Home or, or, or a typical sort of demographic, we're talking about people probably in their mid-40s and beyond probably have their own children. They've probably experienced some cancer in the family or a friend, and they now are starting to think, you know, am I prepared? Okay, so that, that's the first thing. And people generally don't decide, just they don't wake up and decide I'm going to buy cancer insurance. It happens over time and they start to get older. They start to feel, okay, now I'm, I'm at that point where I'm starting to feel a little bit vulnerable. I've seen people uh, go through it. Um, so now they've started to actively look and they'll go online, they'll, they'll, they'll get different quotes. Um, and they're all going to be very similar. Um, when they see the the cancer own product, it, it will stand out immediately because there are, uh, you know, through the genetic testing and so on, things that they can immediately access that will help them start to develop their their propensity, their risk of developing certain cancers. Cancer own really sounds like a game changer for individuals with cancer. But the science field moves at light speed, and there are many other emerging fields outside of genomics. Here's Darren to discuss future paths health though might take. You start thinking about some of the really interesting emerging omic sciences. So we've really focused on genomics, but you know, there's there's really great work being done on the gut biome and proteomics, epigenetics, and so on. When when I start to think about all the and Sarah, you probably have a better understanding of me, but there's, I don't know, probably 60 or 70 different omics fields that are rapidly emerging. Uh, I, I think eventually over the next 10, maybe 20 years, we'll we'll have 
or rather what we need is uh, a convergence of these technologies coming together to create one unified understanding of an individual's overall health situation. I don't know how that happens. I know there's, there's, there's work being done and how do you integrate all these different biological data points into one meaningful presentation that, that is actionable and has real insight. I, I guess that's the challenge. Thank you for joining us for this tiny expedition into precision healthcare. We have one more episode left for you this season. For our finale, we will talk about an innovative project in local schools that will help advance plant science and impact the larger community. Tiny Expeditions is a podcast about genetics, DNA, and inheritance from the Hudson Alpha Institute for Biotechnology. We're a nonprofit research institution in Huntsville, Alabama. We've got a campus full of scientists doing public research alongside companies developing products and services, all with one aim to translate genomic discoveries into real-world applications that make for a healthier, more sustainable world. That's everything from cancer research to agriculture for a changing climate. If you find this podcast interesting, please rate, review, like, and subscribe on the podcast app of your choice. And tell someone that you listen to this interesting little story about genetics. Knowledge is better when you share it. Thanks for joining us.